Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey everyone, I want to let you all know that my very first book, The Path of an Eagle, How to Overcome and Lead After Being Knocked Down is just around the corner from launching into the world. You can pre-order a copy right now wherever you are in the world. Just head to the link in the show notes below in order to get your own copy. It's available in Kindle, hardcover, and it will soon be available in audio book, which I will be narrating. I'm very excited about that. Uh, But hope you guys can get a copy. Hope you support the show, myself and yourself as well, because that's what the, the book is really, really speaking to. Thank you all very much. All right, time to enjoy the show. There is a story for everyone here because every story matters. Welcome everyone to the Storybooks. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the Storybooks together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. When times are hard, make change easy. Welcome back, everyone, to another exciting episode of the Storybox podcast. My friends, my very first book is now officially out in the world, which means that each and every one of you, if you are in America or if you're in Australia or wherever you are in the world, you can pretty much get a copy right now. And if you haven't already gotten a copy, the amazing support from each and every one of you was just honestly overwhelming and incredible. So thank you to each and every one of you that did pre-order it. And I hope the ones that have already gotten a copy of the book are really, really enjoying it. But if you haven't, then go and get a copy right now uh, or pretty much after you listen to this episode because it is a great one. And today I am privileged and honored to be introducing you to the incredible research researcher, scientist, uh, and with over 20 years plus experience in the topic of human behavior, BJ Fogg. Now, for those of you that don't know who he is, you are in for a real treat because BJ not only spent over 20 years studying behavioral science, he has also been well-known and well-documented for uh, researching and talking about habits, more specifically, tiny habits. So he's come up with what he calls behavioral design. And in January of 2020, he shared 300 pages of his new and practical uses for behavioral design in his New York Times bestselling book, Tiny Habits, Why Starting Small Makes Lasting Change Easy. And it's based around, like I said, 20 years plus of research, and he used well over 60,000 people. BJ's Tiny Habits Method reveals that the key to changing behavior is the opposite of what you've always been told. It isn't about willpower. It's about starting small and making it feel good. He talks also about uh, when you do things and make you feel good, it is somewhat feeling of successful, right? So... BJ's work uh, is quite profound and I find it really, really interesting. And I think you guys are going to love this conversation. Uh, And for those of you that are well aware of um, James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, which essentially just pretty much means small habits, uh, 
But did you know that James Clear did a course run by BJ Fogg? So my friends, this conversation is a, was a lot of fun for me. Uh, BJ is so knowledgeable and, and so wise and I had an absolute ball asking him uh, all these curious questions um, and I'd love to have the conversation with him again at some point. So I hope that you guys get a lot out of this one. If you do, please share it around and if you want, you can go and get BJ's uh, book, Tiny Habits, Why Starting Small Makes Lasting Change Easy. It is a small book but my goodness, is it a big read. <laughs> um, you guys, I think uh, you need a, a pen and paper next to you and you need to be able to uh, write notes as you go along and highlight because there is a lot in here and it's all gold, to be honest with you. So, so my friends, that's enough from me. I hope you enjoy the episode. You know what time it is. It is time to journey with me into the story box as we listen to the incredible wisdom, the advice and the stories of none other than BJ well hello jay thank you for inviting me thank you so much for being here my friend uh like i said in the intro i'm fascinated with habits and human behavior i may act like someone who is going to be extremely curious and if i'm trying to develop a thought or a question in my head i apologize in advance (laughs) for that but my very first question for you, this is a, a question that I love starting off all my conversations with. What does success look like for you? I actually knew you were going to ask this question because I've heard it before. No. Um, I, I, I think for me, oh, I'll just, there's many ways. I'll just pick an angle. I think it is being able to use my time on this planet in ways that feel like I was meant to do. And in some ways, that means what am I uniquely positioned to do? What can I do that nobody else can do? Um, And I really um, value those things. Like if somebody else can do it, delegate it. Or if somebody asked me to speak on behavioral economics, which is not really my thing, like, no, I'm not going to do that. Even you're going to pay me lots of money. It's not what I can do. It's not me using a special, something special in that way. So I, I think it's that combo of making a unique contribution to the world and the planet. One perspective, I'm sure there are others. You mentioned that you work a lot and we we're just yeah. speaking a moment ago about how much you are, you've been really, really busy. Do you find these days that is like you've spent many, many years actually teaching behavior change, habit change, all these things. Do you find that is actually healthy these days? Working so much. To be working so much? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, no. And it's ironic, right? I mean, I'm really sad we're talking about, you know, I'm so busy and you're so busy and people listening to this are so busy. But, you know, it's, um, I, you know, finding the balance and there are moments when I do um in times like i'd really hope to take all of august off it's my birthday month it's like i'm taking it off and then there's this project and another project that really matters to me and pretty soon i'm taking a little bit of time off but not enough and but you know if i look at from the other perspective if i had a ton of free time and i didn't feel like i was serving people or making unique important contributions i don't think that's healthy either So I don't want to pretend like I found the right balance in my life. Um, And I think a lot of people struggle with this. And sure, I could create habits to take more time off, but then there'd be this dissatisfaction of, oh, here's my, this really important project. I didn't make enough progress on it. Um, And so, you know, it's an ongoing struggle for me. Like what's the right balance there? And uh, I am approaching 60, 60 years old, and I don't feel that, but you know, that, yeah, that's, either. <laughs> well, uh, I've done a bunch of, anyway, I won't get into that. Yeah. yeah I mean, I've, I've worked hard to stay young and, uh, I have the habits of nutrition and exercise and sleep that are pretty well in place. Um, but is that all in the service of me being productive and efficient or, do I need more balance, more time in the river and more time in Maui? And the answer is yes. Yeah. 
I'm very much the same and I can relate to you on, on that level, but for whatever reason, I just, I want to work. <laughs> maybe it's because I'm young too. And maybe when I get to your age, I might look back and, and, and think maybe I should have rested a little bit more than what I did. <laughs> or maybe not. You'll look back and go, Oh my gosh, all of these things, all these experiences, all these people I helped, all these ways that I got maybe a little bit wiser. <laughs> um, I don't know. The jury's still out for me. I mean, I know people, some of my contemporaries uh, that I was in like fourth and fifth grade with, I'm still in touch with. And those people are now retiring. Mm. I'm like, retire? What? <laughs> and they're kind of pressuring me to retire. And it's like, that is so far from my mind. I think I have a lot still I want to do. So. Do you ever so, get sick of yeah. talking about behaviors and habits? And doing your work? I, I well let me let me share something uh today that is a new angle to that. So yeah, I started uh obsessing about habits in 2008, 2009. Before that, I was looking at persuasion and behavior change. Yeah. But my research at Stanford with the projects in the lab shifted. And in 2010, I developed the tiny habits method and I started sharing it in 2011 and teaching it. And I love that. And it wasn't like a research project. It was just, I discovered this new method and I was teaching it in a free five-day program, which still exists today. But week after week, I was coaching 200 to 300 people, including James Clear in about 2013 or 14. He enrolled. I think that got him interested in habits. I remember him emailing me all excited, like he discovered um, this. And so how can you, and it was at the time, I mean, after years of doing that week after week after week, even on vacation, I was like, wow. <laughs> I've, I, I remember after I'd coached 10,000 people, and that was probably about 2013. I spoke at an academic slash professional conference too. And I said, what have I learned after coaching 10,000 people and habits? And so I do remember that milestone. And it just kept going. And I didn't think that I'd eventually write a book. I didn't think it would keep going, but it did. And it's really satisfying to know that. And I stopped counting at 60,000 people that I had personally coached, you know, week after week. And so you learn a lot. And at a certain point, you stop learning, though. You, you've seen it all. Yeah. Um, you know what works. You know what doesn't work. But the fact that you can help people so easily how do you say no to that? Now we have tiny habits coaches that we've trained uh, and they uh, coach people in the five-day program and so on. So there's times I'll step back in and coach in that program. But now we have people that get trained and they do it and they love it. And they get that same satisfaction. I remember there are times when I was just overwhelmed and maybe a little unhappy. And then I would, and, and you coach through email. So it's a, it's asynchronous through email and just going back and reading you know, people's emails and responding and helping them just cheers you up. It like makes you happy. <laughs> so I remember that distinctly. It's like, Oh my gosh. So yeah, I'm helping people, but it also makes me happy. So I just kept going, but learned a lot, a ton. I mean, it, so it's that combination of academic work and research on how behavior really works. And then the hands-on practice, not just, of a few dozen or a few hundred thousands of people that came together for me. And then finally, it's like, okay, it's time to put it together in a book, um, which was a multi-year effort. And mm -hmm. bam, you have it in your hands now. So hooray. It is a small book that I'm holding, but <laughs> the words, they're tiny. And for me as a reader, honestly, it takes me a little bit of time to process everything on the page. So you you have to forgive me for taking a long time to actually read it. <laughs> there's but, a lot. I, there's a lot in the book. There, There's a lot. It's not just, you know, steps one, two, three. There, there, I, I really tried to change the landscape of how people think about habits and behavior change. And so as you saw, there's a lot in the book and a lot, and all of it is based on my own hands-on uh, practice and research. It's not a summary of other people's stuff. And so, and that's, you know, part of what I felt I uniquely could do on this planet with the time I have is to 
convey um, how human behavior really works and how you can reliably and really quite easily change your habits and subsequently your life. There's a lot in this book and we could spend hours dissecting every single page pretty much. But what I wanted to ask you is a moment ago, you, you were talking about like over the course of your life, your learnings, and you would have learned a, a lot. I mean, dealing with and coaching 60,000 people, that is no small amount. And I'm curious, like for someone as yourself, looking at when you first started at behavior change and persuasion over the years to actually now, when you look at that, how much have you noticed that behavior change has actually changed for humans or have you learned anything specific that has informed your own level of change Um, or information at all? Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, let me start with the second question. Like, has it changed me? Absolutely. For sure. Right. Um, It's changed. Well, there's so many ways. So let me go to one. Uh, I am not at all afraid of changing my habits. Um, I know that intimidates a lot of people and so on. But once you see it's a system, and once you see that there's a process for doing it, and once you realize you don't have to be perfect, and you know how to do the system, then it's like, oh, I need to change this habit. That's fine. Let me give you an example. Uh, My husband and I have been working closely with um, a special kind of doctor uh, and she does a whole bunch of like all these tests on you. And one of them is a food sensitivity test. And it came, it turns out that I'm allergic to coffee, and like <laughs> apples and pomegranates and cranberry and a handful of things, like six things. Uh, I don't know if allergic is the right word. I have a high food sensitivity to coffee. I didn't even know. And I don't really love coffee, but, you know, I drink coffee in the morning as part of the ritual. My partner loves coffee. And I do like the caffeine of it in the morning and all of that. So it's like, okay, I have to stop coffee. And I didn't freak out. I was like, okay, fine, I can do this. So the moment I saw that, I was like, okay. And I just changed gears and I stopped coffee and done kind of thing. So the, so, you know, studying how human behavior works, coaching so many people um, and the, just make, gives you this confidence that yes, you can change and there's a process to it and you don't have to feel guilty. You don't have to use really willpower discipline. You use design and iteration and positive emotions and you can do big changes and small changes and maybe something in between like coffee. I'm stopping <laughs> coffee entirely. I mean, I personally don't drink coffee, but something you mentioned there was actually one of my questions for later on in terms of willpower. And I wanted to ask you this question first, and then we might segue into willpower and motivation and mm-hmm. actually changing. The The power to actually change a habit, you say, is easy. It can be easy. Can be easy. Can be easy. Not always easy, but can be. No. Yeah. But why is it that for a lot of people, they feel like they can't change either a good habit or even a negative habit. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I haven't done academic research to know exactly the answer, but my sense is after coaching lots and lots of people, is they've tried before and they've failed. They've tried and they failed and they've tried and they failed. And there's reasons they didn't succeed. And one of them is they approached it in the wrong way. Um, You know, they let's do new year's resolutions or i'll just set a big goal or make an announcement on facebook or i'll have an accountability buddy or i'll track my streaks or you know just these notions of change that they think oh this is how i do it guess what none of those things are keys to lasting change um so there's just this culture um in many parts of the world maybe not all i don't know if it's all that here's how you change your habits or and and a lot of it comes down to you just got to motivate yourself and you just have to have discipline and willpower. And neither one, none of that is part of the tiny habits method. Um, you can change temporarily by using willpower and discipline. But lasting change comes through um, best. You change best by feeling good, not by feeling bad. You saw that many times in my book. You know, yeah. you change best by feeling good, not by feeling bad. 
And it can be a process, and it's best done as a process of discovery and delight and feeling that emotion that I call shine, which is the feeling of success. And when people discover that, and I get emails every day back from people or when I meet somebody, you know, like, oh my gosh. Or even on Twitter, I looked today and some guy said, I did this, this is two weeks ago, my life is transformed. And I was like, transformed within two weeks, that's a pretty big statement. But that's what he said. Um, so I just think there's so much misinformation, mis you know, things that mislead people out there. Um, and there are some very direct things I say in the book saying, don't, you know, this is the old way. This is the old way. Don't try it this way. So if you're just recycling the old stuff, you're going to be misleading people because so much of the received wisdom is doesn't work reliably. And I'll just say this kind of provocative. If you're designing a change program, you do not want a scientist to design it for you. You want a practitioner, somebody who's been in the trenches day after day, year after year, helping people change. She's the one that really knows how it works. It's the hands-on practice and the experience that really gives you the insight. And then you can come back and you know say, you know, science backed and you know, cite some study. But you know, it's not <laughs> so there's a difference between discovering, you know, doing science and then knowing how to actually design a change program in the real world that actually works. Information. I didn't offend too many people by that. No, no, I, I like how you mentioned, like, because there's so many, there's a lot of information out there for people to actually absorb and not a lot of it is going to help a certain person, right. especially when it comes to diets. Like there's so much information about there, which diet is going to be the right one for you. And then somehow there's like this main diet, like the food pyramid, like if you eat all these foods, you'd be fine, you'd be healthy. But then all of a sudden you've got now, you've got keto, new science coming out with keto and new science coming out with vegan and, and all these things. And I'm just like, so much confusion. Like, yeah. how is that going to help me at all <laughs> in the real world? Because I may, I may try this person's advice and it may not actually work. And yeah. So for me in particular, I'm always curious about, so how do we know what is real versus what is not? What is just pseudoscience mm. per se, or things that I'm just trying to be marketed towards us for a particular gain almost on yeah. their part? Well, the, the one answer and the one that I, my, my book was almost not going to be called Tiny Habits. It's going to be called The Change Lab. To help people say, hey, here's how you discover what works for you. So there's a systematic way. In fact, in the back of my book, I have, as you saw, flowcharts, you know, and they would not let me put in the main part of the book. I had to really argue to get even get the appendix uh, back in the back of the book. But uh, let's say nutrition, diet. Um, there are ways to see, try and see what works for you. Let's say good sleep. Let's say uh relaxation reducing stress and so on and i think that's important to do is to be good at testing stuff and trying it out and if it's not working bam, that didn't work try something else and that is a big part of the tiny habits method even from i think the first week or month i was coaching i said part of the method it's called practice and revise you know design a habit practice it and if it's not working you revise it's not practice and have discipline and willpower and just keep beating yourself up. If it's not working, if it doesn't snap together very well, that means there's something that's not quite, there's not something wrong with you. There's something that's not quite right in the design of the habit for you at this time of your life. So you revise it and revision is not a failure. It's part of the method. And that I think would, could have been, you know, the book we're called the change lab. Um, that would maybe be what we were talking about more than white tiny matters and things like that. But try stuff. Don't expect everything to work. And but the more you do it, the better you get. Like me giving up coffee. Um, it wasn't obvious what else I would do to get caffeine in the morning or if I should just get over the whole caffeine thing. Right. 
And so, but I knew I could try stuff and figure it out, right? And that I wasn't afraid of trying something saying, no, that's not really working for me. And then trying something else and finding the right fit. So that, that goes for nutrition, exercise, stress reduction. Um, not everybody has to meditate. You know, the, in, at least here in California and Silicon Valley, it's really pushed, 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 pushed. And there's tons of benefits to meditating, but that may not be the best habit for certain people right now to reduce stress in their life. Um, there are other ways to reduce stress and um, anxiety. And the good news is if you want to change, you can change. So yes. if you try something out and it doesn't work for you, then you put those steps into practice to actually change. And I'm curious about, so before I ask you about how much of it is considered willpower versus motivation or both, I wanted to ask you about the elements of behavior and behavior change in a person. Are you able to share what they are so people can understand first and foremost? Yeah. So behavior is much simpler to understand than most people think. And I would say 20 years ago, I didn't know this. And then in about 2006 and seven, pieces of pieces of the puzzle came together for me, and I call it the fog behavior model. Behavior, all behavior, is comprised of three things. Motivation for that behavior, ability to do the behavior, and a prompt. That applies to all behaviors in all cultures of all age. I mean, I was, you know, still. So that uh, so I published on that, I think, in 2007. And then over the years, even till now, it's like, oh, my gosh, that model is, seems really simple. And it is simple to understand, but very powerful. Now, let me let me map out what behavior. So there is this domain of behavior type. So I'm like drawing a circle in the air. Within yep. that circle, a subset is habits. So habits are a type of behavior. It's a type of behavior you do quite automatically. And then also another type, another circle within the big circle of behavior is one-time actions, things you do just one time. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Yeah. And then another circle is stopping behaviors. And it's really more sophisticated than that. There's actually, oh, I published a paper on 35 different ways behaviors can change. In other words, I think there's 35 types of behavior. That's too complicated. So I narrowed it to 15 for more practical purposes. But for everyday purposes, you can think of habits, one-time actions, and stopping, those three buckets. And for those behavior types, it always comes down to motivation, ability, prompt. All behaviors will be characterized by that. The way you design for habits or one-time actions or stopping is different, but it will always come back to motivation, ability, and prompt. It's just you you use those things differently. So what constitutes someone, if they do something once, what would constitute them actually making that one-time thing then becoming a habit? Just repeating the process over over again with emotion. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you for the question. <laughs> no, it turns out that repetition does not cause habits to form. Oh, right. I mean, you can just think parents can think of their own life getting their child to clean up their room. They've gotten yeah. their child to do that hundreds of times. Has it become a habit? <laughs> okay. So, you know, you can think of ordinary examples. Whereas there's certain things like, oh, these things I wear in my ears, ear pods, um, 
one and done. You use it and it's like, it's a one-time thing. So the thing that causes a habit to form is the emotion you feel as you do the behavior. And if you feel a strong emotion of success, like, oh, these, Kellen, I hate to use a branded example. So let me pick a different one. Here's my favorite pen. I'm holding it up. One of my awesome students, Stephen Crane, gave this type of pen to me as a gift and said, it's my favorite pen. And I use it and I was like, I love this pen because it I could write easily with it. It made my handwriting look good. And so once I use this pen, I stopped using the other pens and I bought a bunch of these. So this was a one and done because the first time I used it, I felt so successful with it. So on the flip side, if you get your kid to clean up his or her room over and over and over and over, and they have this negative emotion around it, it doesn't form as a habit. So just that those ordinary examples from our life, I think will show that repetition is not the key, but what is, is the emotion that you have when you do the behavior. And there are some things that are like one and done. You do it once, you no longer choose a different kind of pen. You always choose this pen. Students, this happens in my class, well, I, I mostly teach outside now at Stanford, but when I was teaching indoors, students would come in and sit in the chair in the classroom. Guess what happens every class period after that? Exact same chair, okay, the same spot. So it wasn't repetition. They just picked a chair and they felt somehow comfortable or and they just keep doing that. Um, so the key is not just to force yourself to continue to repeat something. I mean, there's just too much out there that tells people just keep going, keep going. No, that's not the key. The key is feeling successful, helping yourself feel successful. And as you saw, that's a big thing in my book. I call it maximum number two. Help yourself feel successful. That's what causes the behavior to become automatic. So for someone that has created for themselves, say, a negative habit, that would be based on they don't feel successful in this area, or am I getting that wrong? They do feel well, successful in, in yeah. some way? So by a negative habit, you mean like a bad habit? Yeah, like, like a bad habit, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Notice. So if somebody thinks of, um, let's just take smoking. So I've never been a smoker, but I think people can understand this and I think I can describe it. Um, smoking probably wired in as a habit because it gave people whew, a sense of relief from anxiety yeah. and a calmness, right? And it probably still does that to some degree. So notice, even though the habit is not what our society says it's a good habit. We call it a bad habit. It's still wired in because some somebody felt a type of success that mattered to them. Okay. So if you look at the habits that you consider bad habits or society considers bad habits, you'll see they wired in because it served a purpose. You felt successful. You experienced success in some way. Yeah. So that, that got worked. So Good habits and bad habits wire in, in the same way. They find a place where they fit in our life. We do it. We feel successful. And the release of anxiety is, you know, a feeling of success. Um, and so it's the same for habits that we label good or bad. It's the exact same process. Okay. So for someone that is being told this is a bad habit, you should change, but they don't want to change. Maybe this is a good time to sort of segue into willpower versus motivation and actually yeah. changing when it comes to actually changing habits, willpower, motivation. Are they considered the same thing? Because I know you mentioned quite a bit in the book, you dedicate an entire chapter to motivation. There are people out there that would say, oh, motivation is a myth. It's not always attainable. So is it more a matter of willpower then? Or are we still to able stop to stop an unwanted habit? Is that the yeah. question? Yeah. It is. I'll start with this. Creating a new habit is straightforward and pretty simple. And that's why I created the tiny habits method and started teaching it. And there's nuances to that, but there is a way to create habits pretty quickly and easily. Untangling. Uh, bad habits, unwanted habits is more complicated. And there is no one way and there's no proven, even though it has been put on, oh, how do I say this? 
certain people have sold many, many books on the cover. It says a proven <laughs> way to uh, break bad habits. There is no one proven way to break bad habits. It is a complicated problem. Um, and so the best, even in a format like this, I mean, you know, I, I, it's very difficult in a format like this. Here's the answer. I will give you a partial answer that is useful. And it's an answer that doesn't require willpower discipline. And this is what you do. You redesign your environment to make that unwanted habit hard to do, right? You make it difficult. Okay, so notice I'm not shifting. I'm not trying to suppress the motivation through willpower. I'm not trying to damp down the motivation just like, oh, I'm not going to have the coffee or I'm not going to have the ice cream or I'm not. You make it very hard or impossible to do. And then you don't have to, like, you don't have to exert. Uh, willpower discipline if it's impossible to do or difficult and then if you want to introduce another habit like let's say um rather than coffee i'm going to drink green tea make that really easy to do easy 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 so again it's not a matter of willpower discipline in this approach you are redesigning your environment or your context so the habits you want are easy to do and the habits that you want to do less of or get rid of are difficult to do. That's not a motivational approach. It's not an approach that requires willpower or discipline. Um, and it's one way to do it, uh, to do some, to break or what I talk about untangling bad habits, but it doesn't apply to everything. Okay, so the challenge of... Uh, stopping unwanted behaviors is a huge one and people are doing the world a disservice by saying here's the one way and it's a proven answer because then people try it and it doesn't work and they blame themselves and you're actually setting people up to fail and feel guilty and that's just wrong that's just wrong you know if there were one way and if it was simple, simple enough, I could explain it within our time frame, we would not have the massive addiction problems and the massive health problems that we have. We have thousands and thousands of people on this planet who help people get rid of unwanted habits and behaviors. And it's hard and it's complicated. Yeah. You know, it, it's um, so I don't. And in the book, you see this. I, I don't want to trivialize. It's, I mean, some habits are really easy to stop. And some are really, really difficult. And there's a bunch in between. Yeah, I appreciate you you saying this. And for me, I know with looking at my own life and the habits, some of the bad habits that I created for myself, it was difficult to change. And if I'm being honest, I'm still quite untangling them because they're intertwined with a lot of experiences and memories and you name it. And it is like, especially with addiction too, like that's another level entirely. And almost how much of it, this is something that I'm interested in as well. Like for a lot of people, and this is what I did too, they wrapped that negative habit and even some good habits around their identity as well, yeah. make it about who they are, which then yeah. only informs those emotions even, even more, makes it even worse. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and it's one of one of my former students, his name is Manish Sethi. And Manish back, he was, you know, exploring, you know, I want this wristband that shocks people so they can break bad habits and so on. And Manish is, he's funny, he's wacko. And we told me he's doing that. It's like, Manish, that's totally your brand. I would never do this. I would never encourage people to shock themselves, but it's you keep going. And he's still slugging away at it. He's a character. But he shared with me, there's a point, right? Because he got thousands of people to share, what are the habits you want to stop? And I was like, oh, Manish, I'd love to see that. So he sent me the list of the habits that people were wanting to stop. And Jay, I have to tell you, it made me so sad because the habits were like biting my nails and skin picking and pulling my hair and, you know, cracking my knuckles the vast majority of things on the list i looked at and i thought that's pretty trivial that's not life-threatening you're not you know hurting other people or really yourself very much through this but yet people were so upset with the fact that you know they picked their skin or bit their nails or things like that and it just made me go come on people 
be nice to yourself, give yourself compassion. And that's a big part of my work and a big part of Tiny Habits is to, to be nice to yourself. And I'll bet there's people that will listen to this and go, oh yeah, that's not that big a deal. Get over it. You know, if I'm not going to think I'm a terrible person for the fact that, you know, I crack my knuckles or something. And, but if the habit is an addiction that's harming you or somebody else, then, then no book and no podcast is your answer. Go find a professional who knows how to help you with that. So there's that whole range from cracking your knuckles to something that's life threatening. That's why it is a complicated area and there's no one world's expert on it. And there's no one approach that works for everyone in all cases. And, and some of those habits are not significant and, you know, get on with your life. And some of them are really important to get on top of and find the right professional, a person who's had experience helping many with this. Yeah. Get help. Um, yeah. yeah. Do you agree with the, the term we are all creatures of habit? And then when it comes to uh, untangling a habit and like the whole adage of takes 21 days to create one versus 66 or should we just remove that whole though both of those i guess well i do believe we're creatures of habit but if you look hard at the research that says 66 days it does not say what people are saying it says okay i mean people can just look it up and and read the study it's actually Oh, I hate to say this, it's not that solid of a study, but yet has been perpetuated and perpetuated. Um, and the 21 day thing has its own history. So neither forget both of those. Those are not direct us, even though, you know, headlines like to say that and people like to propagate that idea. However, I do agree that, you know, humans and animals are creatures of habit. Yeah. You know, I just saw your dog walk in the background. I bet your dog's a bundle of habits. We live where a red hawk has started making a habit of coming at a certain place at a certain time. And, you know, you observe nature. There's habits. Habits are useful. Habits are functional. And um, so, yes, on that, but no on those common myths or misconceptions. So I would just say almost anything you've heard said over and over about habits, everybody, question it question it and look harder and see if it's really true. Um, And you can look at the academic work and read it and make a judgment. Does this apply? Is this saying what other people said that it's claiming to say? And I think people will be very surprised at how much stuff gets out there in the world about habits that has really no basis other than it's been said over and over and over kind of thing. So even question your work? Oh, absolutely. Go in and and the best thing you can do is put it to the test. Go try it. You know, I mean, that's, we're talking about the change lab and trying things in your own life. Yeah. Question my work, look at it um, and push on it. And the best thing you can do is try it out for yourself and run those experiments in your own life for sure. When you wrote the book, obviously there are th- things that you can include and things that they usually are cut out. If you were to write another, are you writing another book based on habits or is that to? Yeah, yes, but what's coming before that. Uh, and wow, I think this is like the first announcement on a podcast. Bam, <laughs> Jay, you're making news here. Uh, for a year about not quite a year ago, I started writing songs for kids about behavior change and habits because they're not going to be able to read my book and so on. So the songs are for kids about three to 10. That's one of the songs that's being, uh, we're doing videos with them too. So the video is happening tomorrow that will age up to older than that. But the idea there was how do I help a entire generation of young people grow up and understand how behavior change really works, how to create habits and so on. And next week we are launching. And for kids, ask me on YouTube, I found out. 
And so the song, then you do a video. The video is harder than the song. And so uh, we will be rolling that out. And every few weeks, a new song and a new song and a new song about habits. Um, and I am so excited about that. I just, um, so I've been fortunate to uh, have a, a, a songwriter working with me who's amazing and other people and so i'll write the lyrics and maybe make a few suggestions and then they fix things because you know i'm not the pro songwriter but the team is awesome and i'm very very happy with the songs and very curious about the impact they'll have um so for me more important than writing another book is um efforts like this you know songs getting them out of the world yeah and there's no profit motive here like i'm paying the studio i'm paying the talent i'm paying and yeah i'll lose tons of money on it but the satisfaction of it and just the idea that yeah certainly i hope thousands of kids i'm hoping it ends up being millions but we'll see we'll see where that goes well Congratulations on that. That's very, very exciting. And I've always said that if you want to change a generation in the right way, you educate the kids. And what better way to do it than with music? Yeah. So we'll have, there is a little more info and probably when people hear this, there'll be a lot more tinyhabits.com slash songs slash songs. And we'll have more there. And there's a resource guide for parents and then we'll do one for teachers. And I mean, we all can think of when we're kids and there's certain songs that influenced us and changed how we thought about the world and ourselves like there's a song that's that's maybe not directly related to habits but there are a few songs that are really about being nice to yourself uh forgiving yourself um knowing how to encourage yourself in those moments of encouragement um and so on so it's just been wow so fun to do um we'll see what happens we will indeed. I'll make sure that that is linked in the show notes for people when this does come out. I've got two quick final questions for you, BJ, if that's all right with you. Sure. Uh, this is more of a curious question for myself, uh, but what do you love the most about yourself and your story? Um, that's a hard question. Um, Left the best to last. Yeah, that's a hard question. Um, I think one of the things I'm most grateful for about myself is my ability to innovate. Mm. Um, and that's a two-edged sword. I mean, people that have a lot of creativity will understand this. Oh my gosh, it's good, but it's also bad. But it channeled the right way. It's it's just I'm so grateful for that. I mean, it's I didn't do anything to earn or deserve that. It's a gift. And it's a gift that going back to what we talked about, I I feel like I need to put to use in the most positive way. So that's about me, maybe, but it's not really about me. It's about something that I just ended up having Um, about my story. I think that I've had a lot of failures and I just keep going. It's the ability to just get up and keep going and not let the failures define me or uh, discourage me or stop me from doing what I think is important in this world. Yeah. Um, you know, people look, maybe they look at me and think, oh, all these successes, guess what? And you've heard this before, there's tons of failures you don't see, just tons and tons and tons of setbacks. And I am just an eternal optimist and I just kind of keep going. And I, I think that I like that about, uh, I guess, my story. I, I do like that. I like that. People can find you at tinyhabits.com, I believe. They can go and get a copy of your book, Tiny Habits. Uh, I went to my local bookstore not that long ago and found it. The last copy. Uh, I got in got in quick. <laughs> um, but this is my final question for you, BJ. This is my all-time favorite question. I love asking all my guests at the very end. It is a hypothetical one. But I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100. All your friends and your family have decided to put together 
a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done and ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll call it magic for the sake of argument. They've been able to get it and show it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? Wow. Um, I do think I will live to 100. So first of all, know whether they're going to do this. Who knows? Well, that part won't um, be hypothetical then. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, I don't know if this will really... What I would love to... I would love to see the 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 expression somehow of the people I've helped. Not that they're talking to me, but I'm like peeking in on their lives and I'm seeing them be happier and healthier and more connected. Just seeing, I, I, I think, so it's not really about me talking. It's not, I hope I don't see pictures of me and stuff or videos, but just seeing the impact that I've been able to have maybe directly, but also indirectly, a big part, a big part of my life is to train and teach other people so they can go on and have impact. That's what my behavior design boot camps are about. That's what the tiny habits training is about for coaches. That's really what the book is about and so on. So it's not like necessarily me. Yeah, maybe directly I've helped a lot, but me being a catalyst or a somebody that trains and teaches or inspires others. That's really how I see myself having the most. So I would love to see that in some form at a hundred, that would just be really, really moving for me to see some representation of that. It's a good send off message. Well, you've impacted me in many, many ways. I can't say enough. Go and get a copy of the book, everyone. Make sure everyone knows where to find you and the book. BJ, man, thank you so much for your time today, your wisdom, your advice, and your stories. And for joining me today on the Storybox podcast, it's a lot of fun. Thank you, Jay. Thank you so much. I really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you would like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on all podcast platforms. It is that easy. And if you did get something from today's guest, please do share it around with your friend or family member who you feel could benefit from hearing today's story. And before you go, I greatly appreciate if you could spend 30 seconds leaving a rating review over on Apple Podcasts. It goes a long way to reaching more people and building this community of the Storybox. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one you heard today. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the Storybox, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you then. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.